Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord with you all today. Uh, thank you to Eddie for the, the setup, and uh, you gave half my message, so I'm, I'm already got some momentum going here. Uh, so uh, as Eddie said, I've been involved with Wellspring through the Barnabas ministry for 12 plus years now. So I've had the blessing of being here for meetings, and we've worshiped here, and we've prayed here, and we've uh, done all kinds of, we even camped here, uh, one weekend when in a storm drove us out of the, the river bottoms that we were in and we came up here and stayed and, and, uh, took shelter here. But this is the first time that I've ever been able to come and worship with you on a Sunday morning. So it's a real privilege to be here. Uh, I live in Poseyville, Indiana, a little town north and, and west of here, um, with my wife of 32 years, Josie. And, uh, so to be able to, Cross that money saving bridge and come down here and worship you, uh, with you this morning is, is really great. So, um, I, I do have a personal testimony that I'd like to share. Um, I, I called this past year, uh, being wonderfully rattled. And, um, so I, I do have some personal story to tell, uh, but I want to set that up with some, some scripture and some truth, um, that connects directly to it. And I call that light and darkness. And so I'm going to jump in here today, um, and if you want to advance one slide, I'm going to uh, share Genesis 1-3. We're going all the way back to the beginning here, first day, and God is speaking things into existence. And Genesis 1-3 says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. So he spoke the light into existence. He said that it was good, and he separated light and darkness. Now remember, this was before he even created the sun. Uh, the sun's day four. He created the sun, the moon, and the stars. So this this was not light being generated from something uh, out there. Uh, it was the light that he had created. So let's talk about that a little bit. We'll advance one more slide and look at John 8, 12. Jesus is speaking to the people, and he states, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So in Jesus, light and life become one and the same. Jesus is the light so that we may have life abundant here on earth and life eternal beyond our experiences here on earth. So just just a recap all of this about light. God spoke it into existence. He said, let there be light. He spoke it into existence. He said it was good. He separated that light from the darkness. And then Jesus says, I am the light. Of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So if we're walking with Jesus, if we're talking with Jesus, if we have that relationship with Jesus Christ, we're in the light. Now, it says that God separated the light from the darkness. So I want to talk about that a little bit. And if we advance one slide, uh, we'll take a look at Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. And in this it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So advance one more. What we've got here is a hierarchy. It's not just, well, there's this darkness and there's, there's stuff out there. No, there's, there's a hierarchy here that God speaks to as rulers and authorities and powers and forces in these heavenly realms. This is real. And so if we look at Scripture, anything that is spiritual, that is not of the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, is of darkness. Nowhere in the Scriptures does it say there's this gray area. Nowhere does it say, well, you know, that spiritual stuff there, um, it's not of God, but it's not really bad, no. It says it's either of light or it's of darkness. And it's really important to us to understand that that line is razor thin. And so we have to ask, well, why, why would anyone ever cross that line? Imagine this, this razor-thin line. You're in the light. Why would you even want to stick your toe into it? You know, why, why would you stick your elbow or maybe straddle it? You know, I'm, I'm kind of in the darkness, but I'm also in the light here. So as long as some of me is in the light, I'm okay. Why in the world would we ever do that? And the reason uh, is called deception. It's all about deception. You know, Satan showed up um, in our kitchen while we're having coffee one morning or in the car with us as we're driving along or uh, in the break room at work or in school or whatever, and he looked like this artist's depiction of Satan normally does with the horns and the hooves and the pitchfork, and, and he said, Hey, Pat, um, today uh, there's some thoughts that I want you to think. There's, there's some things I want you to dwell on. There's some words that I want you to say. There's some behaviors that I want you to engage in. It'd be pretty easy to say, get away from me. But that's not the way it works. The powers of darkness are very subtle, seemingly unnoticeable, and that's why it's called deception. I looked... um, in my concordance in my Bible, and I looked at deception, deceived, um, or deceive, and I found 65 references to deception in God's Word. Now, God is not one who minces words. So when we find something 65 times in his truth, I think he's calling it out as something important as something that we need to really take a strong look at and really dwell upon and understand. When Jesus is talking uh, about the coming times and uh, his return and the end of the, the earth as we know it, you know, he, he doesn't talk a lot about, well, keep an eye on Israel or, or keep an eye on um, the, the rapture. Or what. what he says more than anything else is, don't be deceived. And he, he's speaking to the church about this. Don't get caught up with these subtleties, with these uh, areas of darkness that can trick us. It's a trap. Okay, so God separated the light from the darkness. There's a physical aspect 
um, to that around his creation. And there's also very much a spiritual aspect. So there's physically light and dark. There's spiritually light and dark. And that's connected in the word from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. So it was about a year ago. Um, it was the Monday before Thanksgiving of last year. My shoulder had really been bothering me. It had been bothering me for two or three months. Uh, and I'd gone to the doctor multiple times, and my doctor said, oh, you probably sprained it, or you, you, you may even have some arthritis setting in. So uh, I was prescribed anti-inflammatories and uh, different things. And um, late October, I, I got a knot on my shoulder, and uh, so I went back and I said, look, this, this has been going on for months. It still hurts. Now I get this bump. I don't think that's supposed to be there. And they set me up for an MRI. And that MRI was the Monday before Thanksgiving, Monday evening. And on Tuesday morning, I got a phone call from my doctor. And my doctor's office said, can you come in? Uh, I said, sure. When would you like me to be there? And they said, how about right now? And I thought, oh, boy. That's never good. You know, when your doctor calls you after an MRI and says, you need to come in right now and we need to talk. So I get to my doctor's office and I've been to my doctor dozens of times. And she always sat at this little table with her computer. And I sat kind of like across from Eddie here. I sat and we'd talk. And today she came in and she sat down right next to me. And you know something's not going to be good when the doctor does that. Um... But, you know, even knowing that you're getting called in, and even though, you know, okay, this is probably going to be something I don't want to hear, you're still never prepared um, for a doctor to look at you and say, yeah, this isn't good. Now, we've got these images, and we're not exactly sure what's going on, but, but this is definitely cancer, and it's everywhere. So we need to um, set you up for a series of tests, and you're going to be subject to uh, a CAT scan and then a PET scan, probably a, um, a bunch of blood tests and a lumbar puncture and a biopsy. We're going to find out what's going on here. And so I left there that Tuesday morning, um, and I was driving home, and i got to tell you, it was just like being in a fog. Um, you know, just didn't see this coming. And I uh, went home and talked to my wife, told her what was going on, and went out through that day. And that evening was a um, community service where multiple churches get together uh, for Thanksgiving. And I'd been invited to join in on leading the worship. And I thought, well, I still want to go to that. No place better in the world to be than in the Lord's house tonight. So um, my guitar was at my church. And so I thought, well, it starts at 6.30. I'll stop by the church, my church, about 5.30, grab my guitar. I'll head down to the Wadesville Baptist Church. And I get to the church. Um, it's dark, and the lights are on. It's kind of dim, but, you know, the sanctuary lights are lit up. And I thought, well, I wonder what's going on here this evening. And I walk into the, the back of the sanctuary door, and there's a line going up the middle aisle, and there's this low mumbling and talking, and and everybody kind of turns and looks at me, and, and then they turn and mum, 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 And I look up in, in the front of the sanctuary, in front of the altar, and there's a casket there. Um, and I had walked right into a visitation that I had no idea was going on. And it was so surreal. I'd been in this fog all day long. I was like, what's going on? What's, 
what's happening here? And I'm like, is this, God, is this some kind of foreshadowing? Um, it, it felt like I was in a dream. Um, and so I'm standing there, and my pastor comes walking up to me. Um, he goes, hey, how you doing? What's, what, what's going on? I said, well, I need to pick up my guitar for the service tonight, but it's, it's behind the casket uh, over in the corner of the sanctuary. And uh, I said, I don't want to weave up through here. He said, well, come with me. We'll, we'll, uh, I'll walk. And you can walk around. There's a side door, and we kind of came in the back way. And I was able to grab it, box it up, and um, get it get in a case, and uh, had, had it on my shoulder. And we were walking out of his office and kind of walking behind things. I was going to head out. And he goes, hey, I know you had that MRI on Monday. How'd it go? And I said, well, not very good. And I think he saw the expression on my face. And he said, let's, let's step back into my office. So we talked a little bit and I told him about the details and what the doctor had said that morning. Um, and then he was offering me some words of encouragement. And I said, you know, since this morning, my, my mind just keeps going to Mark five. Um, and in Mark five, if you want to advance one more slide, there's this lady who has had this horrible bleeding for a very, very, very long time. And Jesus is coming through her neighborhood. And what she says was, if I can just touch the hem of his cloak, I will be healed. And what I took from that was, she didn't say, well, nothing else has worked. Maybe I'll give this a try. She didn't say, I wonder if this will help any. She didn't say, well, I've got nothing else to lose. Maybe I'll just go down there and see if I can get a glance of him. What she said was, if I reach out to Christ, if I, if I touch the Lord, I will be healed. And it's, it's an amazing story because, you know, Jesus Christ is walking through this crowd. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been to like a concert at the Ford Center or a baseball game at Cardinal Stadium or something, but it's a sea of humanity and, you know, it's shoulder to shoulder and, and Jesus is walking through and crowds around him. Um, and all of a sudden he just whoop, stops and he turns, he goes, who touched me? And his disciples are like, well, who didn't touch you? I mean, there's just people everywhere here. He goes, no, no, no. Someone touched me. I, I felt the power leave me. And that's when the lady stepped forward and said, okay, here, here's, here's, I did it. And here's what happened. And Jesus said, you know, it's not my clothes that, that healed you. It's your faith. Um, that faith that you put in me has cured you. And she was healed. She could feel it and she could tell it. What a powerful story that is. And my pastor said, hang on to that. That's the kind of faith that it's going to take. Um, and so I went to Thanksgiving at my sister's on Thursday. And then um, Friday, I was home and my sister showed up. I hadn't told anybody yet. hadn't haven't given anybody these results. And she showed up and said, what's going on? Um, call it a sister's intuition or, or what you will. But she, she knew something was up. Uh, and so I told her what the details were, and she had a book for me. And the book was about Psalm 91. Um, and in, in that psalm, um, it claims God to be your refuge and your fortress, um, your God who you can trust. And it talks about God delivering you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. 
And it's in one sentence, I will deliver you. I will save you from the fowler's snare and the deadly pestilence. And so I devoured that book, and I started reading that scripture, started claiming that scripture uh, pretty much every day uh, as I was going through this testing. And, and then I came to James 5 also. And in James 5, um, it says, it says, If any one of you is sick, he should call on the elders of the church to pray over you and anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. I talked to my pastor about this, and I said, This doesn't sound like a suggestion to me. This doesn't sound like a best practice. And he goes, No, no, no. He said that there's a level of obedience here. This is calling you to do this, not suggesting to do this. So um, he said, don't, don't worry about feeling like you're intruding or uh, that, that you have to worry about uh, anything other than calling upon these elders. And so we did that. Um, and uh, I had a, a group of, of men praying over me at my own church, um, and that turned into a, a group from the Barnabas ministry, and I know this church praying for me. I had family and friends, um, and, and it just spread and it grew, and I found myself surrounded by a cloud of witnesses uh, just offering encouragement and, and offering support and offering prayer. Uh, and that's when the real journey began. Uh, and that's when God really, um, what I, I said earlier, uh, wonderfully rattled me. Um, as I began treatment, the um, tests had shown that this was stage four lymphoma, double hit, it's called, which is very aggressive. They said, we can't treat that in Evansville. You're going to have to um, get set up. So I ended up at Vanderbilt in Nashville uh, and began a journey of uh, 65 nights uh, over a six-month period um, with some aggressive treatment processes there. And through this, God showed up in, in ways that I, I really never anticipated. Um, I remember praying, and I was getting ready for one of those tests. And I said, hey, tomorrow, God, they're going to put me in this tube. They're going to look inside my body. Uh, I'm praying for uh, uh, good results. And I just remember distinctly God saying, hey, be specific. I was like, okay. Um, so I began to pray, and I was praying that um, for, for those who were treating me and for those um, by name who um, were, were uh, providing these tests, and I began to pray for organs and my, my skeleton and my bone marrow, which was uh, obviously acting up and uh, just being as specific as I could. And as I read Psalm 91... Um, I really latched onto that. He will save you from the deadly pestilence. He will save you from disease. And God showed up again. Um, and he said, why are you, why are you only reading half the sentence? Um, it says, I will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. You're leaving half of it off. I will save you from the darkness and the disease. And I started to see um, in so many places where that connection shows up through Scripture, this connection between the spiritual 
and the physical, between the darkness and the disease. James 5, it does say that, you know, have the elders anoint you, but it also says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And let's, let's go back to Jesus all through the New Testament. Um, Matthew 9, 12, we have someone who's crippled here, and Jesus looks at him, and his first words are, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees took note of that, and they're like, well, who are you to forgive sins? And Jesus said, well, would it be better if I said, take up your mat and walk? Oh, by the way, take up your mat and walk. And he did, and this person was healed. There was a spiritual and a physical element to this. In John 5, we've got another person who's suffering from being crippled. Jesus heals him, and as he's picking up his mat and he's walking away, he's, now, stop your sinning, or something worse could happen. <clears throat> and so night after night, it, it seemed like it was, it was always, but especially at night, being alone um, in that hospital room, or even being back home in between treatments, God really showed up. Have you ever felt that presence where you're like, you know someone's in the room, and you're like, oh, hey, I didn't see you come in. Uh, you can just feel it. You can sense that. And that's how it felt night after night with God. I mean, he was so present, and he was so there, and he was speaking to me, and he was working on me, and he was like, you know, I, I got you in this. Um, and he started a process of um, pruning and chastening and um, teaching and disciplining. And it was this. There were things that God would pull out of the bottom of, of a hamper, the nastiest, dirtiest, foulest sock you could ever think of, and he'd say, okay, uh, let's talk about this. And I'd be like, oh, Okay. He goes, do we need this? Is this glorifying me? No, it's not. Okay, let's get rid of this then. Okay, here, ew, here, here. What about this? And I sometimes I'd be like, well, what about that? Is it glorifying me? Is it benefiting you? Um, could there be a little bit of deception mixed in with this? Yeah. Okay, let's get rid of that. And so night after night, and day after day, this pruning, this chastening, this this showing me and revealing me things um, that that could be a barrier to my marriage or a barrier to my um, you know service to him uh, in, in my community, in my family, in my church, and and wherever he just started to show these things um, and and prune and sand and and cut and. Um, you know, it says in Ephesians 2 that, you know, we're God's workmanship, which means you know, he's working on us. He's continuously um, crafting us so that we can be prepared uh, to serve him. And I just felt like he was certainly uh, working on me in that way. God works on us. In Hebrews 12, he talks about us uh, where necessary. If we're to share in his holiness, which produces a harvest of peace and righteousness, then we have to be trained in that. And we often have to be pruned and chastened and trained for that to happen. God shines his light on these things. God shines his light on where he wants us to be. In First John it says, 
Um, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we can have fellowship with him. We can have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sins. Being in his light, having fellowship with him, being purified, that is a lifelong process. It is continuous. And the goal is to always be in that light, to never like, okay, I'm just going to step across here. I'm, I'm going to um, just, uh, I'm still going to mostly be in the light, but never to cross that razor-thin line that is so easy to do and it's so easy to be deceived. If darkness left a residue, you know, for many of us, our feet would be pretty black. Um, and that's why Jesus told Peter, I need to wash your feet. And I, I kind of experienced, well, I, I don't need that. And Jesus told Peter, hey, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And then Jesus like, or Peter was like, oh, wash all of me. Wash my head, my feet. And Jesus said, you, you don't need everything washed. You just need your feet washed. You've stepped in some stuff. There's a residue there. That's how darkness works. So um, I need to wash your feet. And so Jesus needs to be, we need to be allowing Jesus to wash our feet, to be in the light, to remain in the light. And remain is, is such an important word for us here. Um, John fifteen seven. if you remain in me and in my words, and I will remain in you, and whatever you ask will be given to you. If we remain in Christ, Christ will remain in us, and he will answer our prayers. He will give us, in accordance to his will, what we ask. Why would we ever leave that? God separates the light from the dark. He gives us that choice as to where we dwell. And through the prayers of many, through the power of Christ, through God's faithfulness, uh, and to his glory, um, he not only saved me from that fowler's snare, he also saved me from that deadly pestilence. He healed me in both ways, much to his glory. I can show you a slide here, advance one. This is a PET scan from uh, me four months after my treatment started. And so my doctor shows this to me and says, now there's a solution you took before um, this PET scan was taken. And that shows up in your stomach and in your kidneys and your bladder. That's what the black is there. She said, you really don't have much of a brain, so that's why it's black up on top there. Um, but she said, you know, this is all clear. And I said, well, what, what do you mean by all clear? And she says, what I mean is I can slice this front to back. I can slice it top to bottom, and there, there's no cancer here. I said, wow. She said, let me show you the PET scan that we took back in early December, four months ago. So if you advance once more. This body is doomed. This is stage four. It was in my hips up my spine, and as you can see, it was up into my jaw and in my head, and it was gone. To the glory of God, you know, he, he saved me from the Fowler's snare, and he saved me from the deadly pestilence. 
And so I'll leave you with, with one last scripture. I mentioned this earlier. Advance one more. Just want to leave you with Ephesians 2.10. You, we, are God's workmanship. And we are called in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. There's a plan here. Um, and we are his workmanship. And sometimes in that workmanship, um, yeah, it, it's... Uh, it can be unpleasant to go through that. It can go be unpleasant to go through that pruning and that sanding. Um, but sometimes he's got to get us in a place where we'll listen. And uh, those the the six months that I spent going through this process, uh, being wonderfully rattled, helped me to see his plan, helped me to hear his voice, and helped me see and understand the power of his healing and protection and deliverance from both darkness and disease. And I love how it says, which God prepares in advance for us to do. He's got a plan for us, which means we don't have to try to figure it out. What am I supposed to do, God? You know, do I need to be more this way? Do I need to be more that way? Do I need to go there, do that? God says, I've got that prepared for you. If you'll remain in me, I'll take you there. And I'll show it to you. And I'll, I'll open it up so that you can do what I prepared in advance for you to do. When I was a kid, my, my grandfather had uh, surgery. Um, he had um, an, uh, an abscess that he had to have surgery on. And he couldn't lift anything for several months. And so I would go in and mow his yard. And when I got, when I get there, he'd be standing there and the lawnmower would be out and it would be filled up with gas and the blade would be sharp. And he'd be ready for me to mow his yard. And as I, he goes, now we're going to start at the front, we're going around the side, then we'll do the back. Um, and so, okay. So I would mow it, and he would follow me around lovingly watching to make sure I did it right. And when I see the scripture, it reminds me of him because God does the same thing. He, he'll get out the lawnmower for us, and he'll sharpen the blade, he'll fill us up with gas, and he'll lovingly stick with us. Um, but word, he says, I need you to do this work, and this is what I prepared in advance for you to do. So um, I, I just want to glorify God today um, for this year and for this journey uh, and for helping us to see and understand that he's got this and that he's preparing us in so many different ways to do so many different things. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your sovereignty, for your love, for your grace for your mercy. We thank you, dear Lord God, that you are our refuge, that you are our fortress. And if we remain in that fortress, that you will bless us, you will take us by the hand. And the journey may be long or short, and we don't know where it leads, but we know that it's going to the right place when our trust and our faith is completely and wholly in you. And we pray to Lord God, help us, Lord, to share that with others. Help us, Lord, to be encouragers to one another. And we pray to Lord God that our faith may continue to be strengthened uh, so that you can use us for what you have prepared in advance for us to do. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm always... uh Blessed to hear that. And I said I wouldn't share his testimony, but I am going to share one thing with you. It's probably more than one, but 
One thing I greatly appreciated about what Pat was going through is whenever you would see Pat in the midst of all this stuff, unless you knew, you wouldn't know he was going through this stuff. Scripture tells us not to walk around, you know, downhearted, not to walk around with your head down, but to walk around with your head up. To walk around believing and having faith that he's a good God. And that's what Pat did. And uh, one testimony he shared with me that I want to share with you, and uh, I'm stealing this from him, and I know he won't mind me sharing this because when you have a testimony as big as that, you can't put it all in a 30-minute message. But he was talking about how uh, God kept telling him, you know, the where's your faith? Where are you going to be healed? I'm your fortress. I'm, you know, he... God gave him so many scriptures to live off of and to live in. And people would come to him and they would say, Hey, Pat, we got this going on in September. Do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to do it? And he'd be like, wait a minute, let's see where, let's see. And I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but he would say like, uh, let me see where I'm at at that point. And God told him, no. If you're going to have faith that I'm going to heal you, Live as if you're healed. Right? And sometimes we have faith. We, like Mike shared beforehand, we, we believe, but we don't truly believe. And Pat had faith, but he didn't have faith. And God said, let me give you more faith. God said, walk in this faith. And sometimes we, we believe God. Sometimes we have faith in God. Sometimes we know he can do stuff, but we don't truly have faith. We don't truly believe and we're not truly knowing because we're not walking as if it's possible. We're not walking as if it's done. And uh, man, Pat just started making plans. All right, God, if you want me to do this, I'm going to do it. If, I, if you want me to do it, he never said, well, let's, let's wait and see. He said, hey, if God's calling me to it, I'm going to do this. And if God's calling you to something today, nothing can stop that. He said it. He said he prepared it beforehand. What can stop it? Nothing can stop what God's preparing. And uh, we're going to worship here. And if you need prayer, maybe you're, maybe you need healing. Maybe, maybe it's the spiritual stuff. Like I said, the the spiritual things that happened in Pat were bigger to me than than the healing. When Angela was struggling with cancer, what God did in her spiritually. Before she had cancer, she would have never been in here ministering. I got to minister with that girl often. And it's because of what God did in her spiritually that mattered. It, uh, these bodies are going to go away eventually no matter who you are. But it's that spiritual stuff that matters. And there's nothing you're going through that can keep God from using you. There's nothing that you're going through that can, can stop His plan except for you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're struggling with. But if you need prayer, you can either come up and pray at the altar. You can come up. We will pray with you. I'm sure if you need healing, Pat will pray for you. He said it. Lay the hands on him. We'll pray for you. We have anointing oil. Whatever you're struggling with, we're here for you. You're not alone. Uh, Not only are you not alone with us, you're not alone. You have God. Uh, You know, I... He shared with me before, and I told you probably more than one testimony. He shared with me before. He loved going to bed because he knew he wasn't going to be able to sleep, and he was going to just sit there in the presence of God. And he got to the point that he would go to bed early just to be in the presence of God. 
just get in the presence of God. Don't leave here the same as what you came in today. I don't want you walking out of here the same as you were. I want you to walk out of here changed by God. Not by His message, not by Pat's message, but by what God spoke today. Alright, so Ryan's going to worship and we're going to pray. Travis is going to turn the lights down. Let's stand and uh, worship the Lord. It, uh, God's here to heal. He's here to do miracles today. He's here to work in your heart. And, uh, like I said, don't be quick to leave if, uh, if He doesn't release you. Take time in His presence. Uh, don't leave here without God. And, uh, you want Him to go with you. You don't want to go anywhere without Him. So I pray, uh, pray for that. I'm going to close this in prayer. You'll be free to you'll be released to go, but uh, you don't have to leave. We'll be here. If you still need prayer, see one of us. If you have questions for Pat, he's still in the back. Uh, If you have questions for Pastor Chad, he's out there cooking, uh, and he'll be here this afternoon. So uh, so let's let's close in prayer. Father God, right now, I just pray you... uh, God, you give us belief where we have none. Lord, you give us faith where we may be lacking. God, I pray that you would give us a strength that is beyond our understanding, Lord. God, I pray you give us desires for you, Lord, that uh, we didn't even know possible. We want to know you better, God. We want to walk with you, Lord. We want to be hungry for your presence, Lord, and thirsty for you, God. Lord, right now I'd pray that you would just pour your healing upon everyone in here that's needing it, Lord. Both physically and spiritually. God, I pray more for the spiritual because our bodies can be healed, Lord, but that there's no good in that if our spirit is not with you, Lord. If we're not walking closely with you, Lord. God, I pray a blessing over, over Pat, God, as he goes, as he goes forward sharing this testimony, proclaiming how amazing you are, Lord. I pray you bless him in this, Lord. God, we know your healing is complete, Lord, and then we're going to, he can walk in that, Lord, and he can just, God, you just do a good work through him, and, and what you've already done, Lord, is huge, but you said that when we share our testimony, Lord, that uh, lives will be changed, Lord, so I, I pray that you continue to use that, God, and uh, God bless the rest of our days. In your name, Jesus, that we pray this. Amen.